On today's Stuck In, no rest for the weary. The hamster wheel continues to spin and we just can't get ourselves off of it. As Jared and I finish recording today's episode, Forza alerts are streaming in. Our phones are blowing up as club football picks up right where the international window left off. And we get right back to the grind. We'll be reporting on the scintillating Carabao Cup fourth round fixtures at the end of the week. But for now, we tie up all the loose ends from the 2022 FIFA World Cup, including recaps of the final two games and an improvised starting 11 of the tournament. Due to popular demand, this one's for you traveling supporters. Well, we've got more ground to cover than those journalists have explaining to do for picking Harry Maguire in their team of the tournament, which of which there were many. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. <laughs> My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, one more and more. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Uh, And sorry for the late pod on the final round of World Cup games, but uh, we've only just emerged from the stunned stupor that rendered us paralyzed for the last 48 hours after that final. Uh, Legit just picking our jaws up off the ground, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Many are saying best World Cup final of all time, possibly even best flat out game uh, of all time. Uh, And Jared, we can argue that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, either way you slice it, What an incredible way to end this tournament. Uh, Shout out to me for nailing the third place game. And Jared, to you, sir, as you called it, Argentina in penalties. Uh, Well, even even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. Um, Although I don't think you or anyone else could have predicted the unreal drama and entertainment that was to be stuffed inside those 120 minutes. Holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. A fantastic final. And I should just say that we uh, we got to do this in about 45 minutes because I need to watch a, a split screen uh, Southampton, Lincoln City and Newcastle, Bournemouth, Carabao Cup uh, fiesta today. And this is really the important soccer of the week. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we mentioned that hamster wheel. I mean, we're, we're, we're still on it. We, we barely even got a, a moment to catch our breath. And here we are back to scintillating football in the fourth round of the Carabao Cup. Oh, dumb. I hate all of it. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Do you, think, do you think Alexis McAllister is going to be playing at Charlton tomorrow? Do we think that's going to happen? Bro, I, I think he straight up, didn't he just like tell his coach, he's like, dude, I'll, I'll be back in 2023. No, I think that would be, I mean, I think at this point, if you have, I mean, honestly, not even just Argentine players, but French players as well. This is one of those, like, I'll see you in two weeks. Like, just go, like, because I think that, I think as a manager, you kind of have to say, 
uh, it's better to get these guys with like a, with like a shred of uh, ability to actually play consistent football in two weeks rather than just actually wear these guys out even further and then just have like a half a player for four months. Yeah, like 100%. Like, like what is, is, is Julian Alvarez going to show up at, at training and, and be like, he's going to be so tuned in to Pep's like insanely like attention to detail. Like this is how we're going to press Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. Like, no, not at all. Yeah, so I let these guys all sit out, and I, I think I, I might be sitting out the midweek action in, uh, in solidarity with those players. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like I need a break, for God's sakes. Um, but right, uh, as the greatest soccer podcast in the history of the world, we must trudge forward uh, and cover everything. Um, for I, I figured, Jared, obviously we'll, we'll go over the, uh, the final round of games, third place game, and uh, the final. First, let, let's just tie up a few loose ends here, um, and then we'll get to our own goal, stoppage time winners and all that good stuff. But yes, keep it to a, a pretty tight 40 minutes or so. Um, a, a couple loose ends to tie up, but let, let's just, you know, obviously kick it off with this, uh, get it out of the way, although not unexpected. Uh, and God damn it, uh, cannot believe it just keeps happening. Or, or maybe I can, and, and it's just Fuck you. Um, but uh, as as predicted, um, racism towards uh, French players. Uh, basically, if your skin color is brown or black, uh, there was vitriol uh, directed at you. I believe some of the uh, specific ones mentioned Kingsley Coman, uh, Chouameni, and uh, even, even Kylian Mbappe, for fuck's sake. The guy scores a fucking hat trick in the final to keep your team in it like multiple times. And still people are being uh, racist assholes towards him. Uh, so we have to report on that, Jared. Yeah, and, and look, this is not uh, – each country has their own version of this racism, and obviously uh, a French racism or this particular French football racism does obviously stem back even to 1998 when they won their first World Cup. And, you know, a lot of uh, – let's say we say more right-leaning people in France called it – you know, they're not a, they're not even French, they're African, right, because of all the players or, right. or the players certainly had that African ancestry. And, look, it's the same with these guys now, and even Mbappe, right, born in Paris, but – you know, uh, I believe Cameroonian descent and to say nothing of the other guys as well. And so uh, when something like this goes wrong, you can play well, you can play poorly. Uh, obviously, Mbappe's game is, is without reproach. Uh, Coman and Chouameni missed penalties. But I mean, God damn, like Chouameni was amazing in this tournament. He was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, what have you done for me lately, I suppose? But as you said, uh, we, we should be surprised, but we're, we're quite clearly not. Uh, because win, lose, or, or draw, these guys are going to suffer abuse that, you know, the Rabios of the world aren't, and, and not to single him out, just, you know, the first guy that came to my head, and, and that's not fair, uh, you know, to anybody involved, and it just it just sucks. Yeah, and, and I, I was wondering, like, half joking, but also half serious, like, I, I wonder how many people blamed uh, Bukayo Saka, you know, or Marcus Rashford for Harry Kane missing that penalty in the quarterfinal. You know, because it's not rooted in reason. It's just racist assholes who want to spew their racism uh, in one way, shape or form. And they look for any excuse to do it. Uh, and again, yeah, you got Harry Kane, you know, fucking shining knight in white armor, uh, you know, and, and he misses it. Uh, but for some reason, it did, did like did they find a way to blame them for that? You know, it's just ridiculous. And I think as a as friend of the pod, Nabil did say, I believe that day that happened is that they were he jokingly said that the English were going to blame Rashford for not scoring on the free kick and like the last kick of the game and it's like oh like we, we have to protect Kane at all costs so here's a free kick that didn't go in we'll blame that guy 
Yeah. Oh, just ridiculous. Um, and yeah, we won't spend too much time on it, but obviously you always have to uh, point it out and mention it and uh, stand staunchly against it, of course. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of the French, um, a French guy who didn't play that you couldn't uh, blame anything on, uh, Kareem Benzema, uh, just retired. Uh, I, and Jared, I think there's a little bit more to this story, uh, but obviously we all know that he went into uh, the tournament with uh, more than just a knock uh, with an injury that kept him out. Uh, although maybe Maybe, I don't know, he could have been available. Maybe he could have shown up for the final. Ultimately, though, he turns down the invite to the final uh, to at least be an observer uh, and then promptly retires after the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a little there's a little smoke coming up, I think, in these stories, uh, some of which seems to indicate that it is very possible that even when he got hurt uh, and he was sent home, that he did not believe he should be sent home, that he thought, hey, you know, I, I can be ready in two weeks. Uh, you know, I'll sit out the group stage and maybe later on in the tournament I can help out. Deschamps said, no, go home. I think that if you look at some of Benzema's social media posts, both during and after the tournament, I think there was a little bit, uh, almost like too much of, hey, look at me do this workout. Look at me run. Look at me lift this weight. And I think that there might have been some shade being thrown at, like, hey, I could be helping the team right now. And, of course, when you lose, finally, uh, I'm not saying he was rooting for them to lose by any means, but it kind of gave him that one last opportunity to twist the knife. Look, he's, he's what, 35, 36 years old. He's been banged up quite a few times. So him not playing for the national team anymore is not necessarily a surprise. But I think that the timing of it, him saying it the day after the final is, is certainly not an accident. And I think that he has many grudges against the French Football Federation. I think this was kind of the, the final straw for him. Yeah. And, and does that make him uh, that that's zero career World Cup goals for him? Yeah. Uh, no, or- he scored, uh, no, he scored in 20. He had a hat trick in 2014, I believe. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so off on that. Um, but he was after it was after 2014 when the sex tape stuff came out. And that was when he didn't play for pretty much, you know, years and years and years. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, he holds some sort of ill will uh, towards the French Federation for that. But that's kind of, one of those where I'm pretty sure he has to look in the mirror and, and kind of realize that that's not their fault. Yeah. Do, do you think he's just mostly salty because France ended up getting to the final without him with with a go kart as the nine instead of an F1 Ferrari? I think he's salty as hell that they won a World Cup and then got back to a final with him. Right at the nine instead of him. And, and look, I understand that professional pride means you think that, Oh, if I was on the field, I would have made the difference. You know, I wouldn't have been yanked off in the 41st minute, so on and so forth, but uh, they won the world cup and then got to the final. And Giroud obviously was, was pretty good in this tournament as well. So uh, I think his, his salt here is, is kind of, uh, I would say maybe uh, not of sound judgment. Yeah, yeah, he's filled to the brim with NACL for sure. Uh, But yeah, okay, uh, there you have it. I'm sure he's got a few more years left in him, but he'll be doing it at just the club level there. Um, And uh, yeah, a couple other just silly things to wrap up uh, this. What again has been just like an incredible, incredible World Cup. Uh, Although, you know, we do have to put it within context. It can't be completely context free. Uh, No one's trying to like suck the fun out of it or the entertainment. But yes, again, one of the most uh, controversial, uh, if not the most controversial, World Cups of all time. Uh, we shall never forget uh, any of the other stuff around it. Um, but yes, let's have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, the, the rankings, Jared, the FIFA World Rankings, or is it the ELO stuff, or, or which one is it? Uh, basically, still has Brazil as number one, uh, despite their quarterfinal crash out. Uh, and I thought the funniest one is that Belgium <laughs> drops a few places, but still only to number four in the world. 
Yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, this is the official FIFA World Rankings. The ELO, the ELOs are, again, as I've long championed, are the better ratings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do have Argentina at, at number one. Uh, f- probably a, a ranking system that I think is much more probably indicative of current things. But yeah. Oh, so team- that system has the actual World Cup champions as the number one team in the world. Uh, okay. It yeah. does have Argentina, has Brazil number two, France number three, the Dutch actually up to number four, and Portugal number five. And again, I think we can probably disagree maybe on the fringes of that. Maybe France should be at of brazil i don't know but uh certainly better than the brazil argentina france belgium england fifa uh top five that is currently existing yeah oh dude that's so funny uh any other ones to point out or like can we just harp on again harp on the fact that belgium is still quote unquote the number four team in the world yes and they're again they're number 11 in the elos which again probably more accurate i think in terms of the fifa rankings again we hate them but they do matter because they you know do help uh kind of engineer you know draw placements and stuff like that a big credit to morocco obviously the the darling of the world cup up to number 11 uh which i'm I'm quite certain is a career high for them uh and we have a nice little thing right below that the usa at 30 13, which again, they finished 14th in the World Cup officially, so that sounds about right. Germany at number 14 after their success of, uh, uh, you know, group stage. Bomb outs in group stage, yeah. Mexico at number 15. Uh, and so, again, you kind of have, uh, if you're a U.S. fan, again, take it with the grain of salt that it is, but uh, kind of a, a decent enough place in the table and, and, again, ahead of a couple big names. So, uh, you know, again, progress in that in that regard. Rising, USA rising for sure. Um, okay, and then the last thing uh, that I wanted to mention was uh, this uh, this photo, this Instagram uh, post. Uh, Jared, why, why don't you just go ahead and take it away? It involves uh, both Lionel Messi and an egg. Yes, uh, famously the most uh, before today, or I guess before yesterday, the most liked photo ever on Instagram was the a picture of an egg, and it was a guy who literally just posted a stock picture of an egg and said, "More of us is a social experiment." Uh, saying, hey, let's see if we can get this thing to have like the most likes ever. And I think it passed like a Kardashian photo or something like that. Or like Kylie Jenner. Or something. Yeah, something, it was something in that regard. And then today, uh, a picture of Messi that he posted with the World Cup trophy uh, has now passed that number. Uh, and and this is great for two reasons. First of all, uh, as much as I dislike Instagram, I'd prefer the top photo to be something that's not an egg. And second of all, it's even better because, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is like just sitting like, you know, I don't even know what in his house crying right now that uh, he does not have the number one picture ever on Instagram and just is adding more salt to his wounds. Dude, it's so amazing. Uh, and, and you sent the Twitter link that that had sort of like the description of that. And, and just out of morbid curiosity, I just scrolled a little bit. And the Ronaldo stands. I mean, they are truly d- like delusional, insane, not of this planet. I, I mean, just like to see the argument like they just yeah, they, they just bristle up and anything that is like, you know, in defense of Ronaldo, they just go fucking batshit insane about <laughs> And I think honestly, and, and again, I, this is a, I'm, I'm trying. I'm making this parallel very, very loosely in terms of ideology. But I mean, it really is like the red hats when someone says something about Trump, like right, wrong. Yeah. Uh, factual base, non-factual base. It's like, uh, you know, the old term for Duke basketball was like, you know, the jump circle defend, right? It was like, you know, these guys who would, you know, just no matter what, they'd be the first guy to jump in and just stand in the way of like the, the bullet headed for Krzyzewski or whatever. It's yeah. the same idea. If you say anything, even like you make a factual statement, hey, this post by Messi has more likes than anything Ronaldo's ever posted. And you just get the utter scream. Just, you know, it, it, just people who are essentially kind of in that almost cult kind of situation. They They can't, uh, they can't accept reality for what it is. Uh, and it's okay to say, 
Messi's the greatest player and still say, hey, yeah, that Ronaldo guy, he's fucking great too. Uh, but that's not, we're not allowed to do that. We have to be very black and white. And it has yeah. to- in, in, instead, like the, the retort that come back is, well, well, he still has, he's got more followers than Messi. And like, like, these are assumedly like grown adults that are like, you know, saying that, like typing this into a Twitter comment section. Like, it's just so fucking pathetic to me. Yeah, these guys have like jobs and actually probably if some of them probably make like important decisions. Like one of these guys, you know, is like a fucking like brain surgeon. Right? Yeah. Guys actually like holds a scalpel that literally dictates whether somebody lives or dies. But then like when he's off the clock, he has to go on and, and bitch about Leo Messi's World Cup win. It's so ridiculous. Oh, but I love it. I love it. It's also hilarious at the same time. Um, yeah, but th- that's all I got there, Jared. Anything to add to uh, some loose ends to tie up here from the World Cup? No, let's talk about the actual soccer games. Because ah, I, okay. I, okay. That's the fun part, I think. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that's uh, what we're supposed to be doing here. All right, very good. Uh, well, yeah, let, let's kick it off with that third place game that, of course, I perfectly accurately uh, predicted. I, I mean, yeah, notwithstanding the other 99 out of 100 ones that I get wrong. Uh, but, of course, uh, Morocco uh, won, Croatia too. Uh, and I think, Jared, the way to mostly sum this up, and we can go into the weeds on this one, uh, was that, um, you know, both teams wanted it for sure. I don't want to hear any of this like, you know, oh, no one cares about the third place game. It obviously meant a lot to both teams. Um, and, and the other thing it was it, it actually it wasn't like the goal fest that we expect uh, from a third place game. It wasn't like defense optional NBA all star game. Uh, it was actually a pretty tight game, although you, you thought it was going to go off the rails when you, you had one uh, one after nine minutes. Yeah, it certainly looked that way. And, and I do think, to your point about both teams really actually wanting this win, I think that in a weird way settled the game down where both sides kind of went, all right, let, let, we, you know, let's let's actually try and defend a little bit here. Uh, and, and to your point about the seriousness of it, I think you look at, you know, we, we opined after the semi, like, are we ever going to see Luka Modric at a World Cup again? And he just goes 90 minutes, right? Yeah. Or Kovacic just played, you know, most of the minutes in this tournament. Maybe he needs a break. No, he goes 90 minutes. And so... Um, and Brozovic only out just because of injury. I mean, he like he right. probably would have played too. Yeah, exactly. And and, and so I think in that sense, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, you, both teams certainly went for it. I think if you even look at Croatia, I think they went a little bit more attacking than they would normally. Uh, they kind of started, you know, they started Orsic as well as, uh, you know, Lavaha and Perisic and, you know, Kramaric. And so they kind of went more offensive. And maybe that speaks to the less intense or less, uh, you know, live or die nature of the game. But again, uh, and, you know, those guys are going. And of course, Amrabat is there and, and Hakimi's there. And then, you know, you know, the hurt guys again, not playing, but everyone else still going as, as far as they could. And uh, Croatia looked absolutely delighted to win it. And Morocco legitimately looked very sad to lose it, even though it wasn't, you know, the end all be all. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and I mean, speaking of Morocco, that just the the supporters as well. Uh, yeah. I know you know Croatian fans cheering them on, and, and they cared about it. But but the Morocco fans uh, uh, just kind of you know mirroring that that same uh, passion and, and desire to win uh, the game. Although you know, like to, when when Croatia goes out in front, two to one, there was sort of, you know a little bit of a lull. The Morocco, but then it, it was almost as if like towards the end of the game, it just became like a celebration of everything that they had done it's like okay you know we're getting towards the end here it doesn't look like we're gonna win this one um but you know what fuck that let's just like celebrate this incredible cinderella run that we had in this tournament yeah the fans loved it and again the players i still think fed off on that i mean i think there were a couple times in in extra time even where there were a couple fouls and players were coming together and you almost wondered for a second if there was actually kind of kind of be like the actual you know not fight but certainly the the you know where the, the yellow cards start getting thrown around because again the players 
took the took that cue and then they could be do both things right they could celebrate their performance but still say hey like we're not done yet hey they, i think they wanted 30 more minutes of football as well and so i think it, you have to tip your cap to both teams uh because again they they uh, a lot better game than what shall we say belgium won england nothing four years ago where uh, neither team looked particularly inspired to be there yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I was so worried about this game, to be honest, man, because just like both teams so either beat up or old or both. And it's like, is this thing just going to be like a substitute slugfest? Uh, but it turned out to be like a halfway decent game, you know? Yeah, I'm sure all the club coaches of these guys particularly <laughs> loved what was going on. They, I'm sure they watched with uh, with absolute joy as well. Yeah. like Roman Saiz is going to show up to Wolves in a fucking like, you know, cast in a wheelchair. It's like, fuck me. Like, I mean, we're so screwed. I, I, look, I know if you're Real Madrid, like you have all the talent in the world. But I mean, again, you have Chumetis at the, you know, is playing in the final and Camavinga is playing in the final and everything else. And it's like, does Modric really need to go another 90 here? Like when we kind of need him to play like in the near future. And so, yeah, I'm sure the club managers uh, just absolutely love this third place game and the intensity with which it was played. And, and, and we said that, too. We were like, OK, you know, whatever teams end up going to the third place game, you know, we, we said this weeks ago, it's like there's no way they're trotting out their starters like because at, at the very least just because the clubs are going to throw a fucking fit and go apeshit bananas. But yeah, I mean, you look at these sides, like, and I, you know, Hakimi out there for Morocco, I know, you know, Liga is a farmer's league and everything, and you can kind of spare him. But yeah, like you said, I mean, you've got like Luka Modric out there, who's like the last guy you need playing 90 minutes in a quote unquote pointless game. Like, is that guy? I'm surprised. I I haven't heard anything. I mean, have you heard anything? Are these clubs coming out with statements like this is ridiculous or is there anything behind the scenes? You know what I mean? I don't think yet. I think the managers typically wait until something goes wrong back at the club and then they kind of like bring it out because you don't want to be like the, the person who complains about it and then you win over the weekend like 4 nothing. But I promise you if like Madrid loses their first uh, league match, I think they play next weekend, not this weekend. I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, well, our guys didn't have enough time. And like, you know, if something – I think once it goes wrong, we might see some of the – some of the theatrics from the managers in terms of, oh, this isn't fair, woe is us, and, and so on and so forth. Right, right. I, I mean, and, and Liverpool wasn't that hardly hit, but I, I'm sure Klopp will, you know, Klopp will always say something. So I'm sure at some point that'll happen. All right, all right. Um, there you have it for the third place game. Uh, Morocco finishing fourth, as you said, catapulting up the rankings. Good on them. Uh, probably favorites going into AFCON uh, in what, like 18 months time or so? Uh, uh, yeah, whenever they decide that they can fit it into their uh, their. <laughs> Right. Whenever the monsoon season is over uh, and Croatia finishing third. Uh, and again, a very a, a quick shout for them. I, I mean, I think we've uh, beat that dead horse, uh, but it's worth saying it maybe one last time. Uh, just what a country of four million people um, has done over uh, not just in this tournament, but over the last few cycles. I mean, uh, it, it's just truly incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and again, like, you know, not that, again, one's more, uh, this is more important, but again, they were in the semis in the Nations League in a few months, and, and they actually said that after the game, and Modric was like, oh, is this your last game? No, I'm going to finish out at least Nations League, and then we'll see. And so I think that what you have is that you have a country that's been ext- incredibly successful, but there isn't an arrogance about them, uh, about that success. And, you know, to them, it's like, all right, yo, we finished second in a World Cup, and then we finished third in a World Cup. Hey, let's go try and win Nations League now. And let's make sure that we keep up this this kind of momentum so that when we play in the Euros in a year and a half or whatever, uh, we can be successful at that too. And I think that it's really cool where, you know, we do kind of harp on some of these teams having an arrogance about them, and Croatia is just not that. And, and they could certainly start to get a little big-headed about their success, but it's just not culture 
culturally how they operate and, and from a from a footballing perspective. And so it's really cool to see them even after winning third place be like, hey, this is just the next step and we have another step to go and and it makes them really easy to root for. Yep, 100%. All right, uh, that'll do it for your third place game. Uh, and of course, Jared, uh, the final of the 2022 FIFA World Cup uh, did not disappoint. And I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about whether it was the best game of all time and it's the best final and blah, blah, blah. I- I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, l- l- let's keep these things in perspective. Uh, it was an incredibly entertaining game. Um, towards the end uh th- there were like you know 75 minutes where it was like one-way traffic argentina are like clearly in control of this game uh etc cetera, etc cetera. uh to the point where i, I also i want to temper all that stuff a little bit although like i was literally on this edge of my seat jumping up shouting at the tv like hands like head in hands disbelief all that stuff throughout you know the last 20 minutes of regular time and then extra time in the shootout, of course. Uh, but, but let's be honest, it, the game started off pretty like drab if, if we're being honest. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it, it was a, there's a dichotomy to the, to the way these teams kind of uh, play ended up playing this match, which is, you know, you look at Scaloni and from the beginning, his, his lineup, he gets it right. He makes the big decision. He puts DeMarie in and DeMarie of course is, is first 80 minutes of the game was the player of the game. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Out a shadow of a doubt. And then the subs that he made didn't really work. I think bringing Acuna on and trying to play the two left back thing didn't really work. And then you have Deschamps, who kind of gets his lineup wrong in a sense where, you know, and not that he, he not that he's should have just not started Giroud and Dembele, but that just didn't end up working on the day. The subs, Taram and Kouamani come in and they make a difference. And then the second group of subs he makes in the 70th minute ends up actually being the two that, that kind of really changed the game. And so, uh, and that you kind of balanced it out to, to kind of making this such a crazy game. But you have Argentina who starts well and then not for the first time, of course, gives it up late. And then you have France who starts off so poorly and, 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 and whether it be Mbappe literally dragging themselves back into it or not, uh, they find a way to, to make a couple subs that start to impact the game. And it, it kind of perfectly blends together into this beautiful, chaotic art piece where now we get to talk about it forever. Well, right. And, and you made a great comment there, Argentina, like th- this was typical of them throughout the tournament. I mean, Australia, they let them back in the game and literally had to have a last second save from Martinez right uh, against the Dutch. I mean, they let them back into the game and got away with it on penalties uh, to, to our entertainment of course because uh, otherwise they would have been in the driver's seat and just like dominated these games but they just let these teams back in but somehow like squeaked it out in the end and they did it in the final as well yeah i think that you're going to find out in about 20 or 30 years they're going to have to like there's going to be some uh expert or you know kind of some like sociological kind of paper written in argentina about why there's an entire generation of people that died 10 years too early and it's literally the last two weeks like just the utter heart attacks uh, whether in the quarterfinals, of course, uh, they finally got to catch their breath in the semis. But it, it, it was a very similar kind of situation, right? For for 80 minutes, there was only one winner in the Dutch game, and it was the Argentines. And then, they, as you said, they gave that up. And it's the same thing here. And, and so, uh, and then furthermore, of course, then you get the goal, and, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But, I mean, just utterly incapable of just making it easy on themselves and, and as such, giving everyone a heart attack. But uh, as you said, if you're the uh, kind of the impartial observer, it made for the most compelling possible uh, yeah, yeah spectacle that you could ever possibly imagine all right um let's rewind here and uh start from the beginning break it down a little bit um yeah i mean like we said just one-way traffic from argentina from the beginning i think it did catch france a bit 
off guard because and and as we said in our preview pod, um, these were two teams who were a little bit more happier to not park the bus, but sit back a bit. Uh, You know, they were possession based teams, but not as dominantly possessive um, as they've been in the past, et cetera, et cetera. So I I think it kind of caught France off guard um, that Argentina. I mean, they put the pedal to the metal from the beginning pressing high, uh, playing a very quick tempo when they were in possession. Um, and yeah, and that led to these two goals in the first 36 minutes. Uh, obviously, Messi gets the penalty um, in the 23rd minute to go up 1-0. And then, yeah, Di Maria's uh, slot in, in the 36th minute, um, at, at which point, uh, Jared, I, I guess those, uh, those, those, those bullet, those like <laughs> sweat bullets were dripping down your forehead uh, for golden balls related. But anyways, um, but yeah, so much so that uh, Deschamps, um, he, he's not even going to wait until halftime. This guy, like he's so you, and you can see the camera cutting over to him. He's so frustrated. He's so irritated. He's talking adamantly, uh, you know, with his coaching staff uh, to the point where not even waiting until halftime, he just makes two, not one, but two subs uh, in the forty-first minute. Yeah, and and I think the they made the what what really got me in the moment was you kind of you heard that on TV they said hey they're they're about to make a sub here and you figure okay and the first thing I thought was Dembele's getting hooked because obviously he gave up the penalty he was completely ineffective it looks like the moment just seemed a little too big for him uh, and then they say and then you, they they, they kind of showed the sideline and I saw two jerseys even before they mentioned it, I was like oh shit there's two attackers and that's when I was like. Oh shit! They're pulling like Juro as well, and and I know he was battling an injury. A lot of people didn't think he was starting, and I, I think that might have been partially a little bit more injury related. Though I think they also wanted to get Mbappe inside. But I mean, to take out a guy who scored four goals in the tournament in the first half is is such a ballsy decision. And I know you kind of have nothing to lose at that point. But if we imagine a, a situation in this game where. Uh, he makes those two subs and Argentina wins that game for nothing, which for a while looked like that could have been the case. I mean, he just gets absolutely eviscerated for that decision. So you got to give him some credit saying, Hey, look, this might absolutely, like, he's a world cup winning manager who, who really did almost risk his reputation in a way on these two changes. And, and not that uh, Taram and Kalamani were absolutely fantastic in the game though. You know, one draws a penalty and one gets an assist. I just think that the, Maybe almost like the what it indicated to the other nine guys on the field saying, hey, like none of you guys are safe right now. Like pick it up. I think it did kind of work in a way. And, and I really you have to give him his flowers for doing something just absolutely so, uh, so ballsy in that situation. Yes, exactly. And that's what the top managers do. They see something that they don't like and they they find the solution to that problem and implement it as quickly as they can with conviction in, in their decision making. And again, like I, I know I've, I keep harping on it, but the fact that he did it four minutes before halftime, wasting, a, you know, a substitution moment, you know, could have just waited four minutes. But to your point, it's it's sending a message to the rest of the group like no one is safe pick it up uh and and yeah ultimately like did that make an immediate change well at least maybe in the attitude and the effort for sure uh and and those guys are actually running and defending you know which helps stop the bleeding um and it it didn't lead you know straight to goals or whatever more subs later on uh did and and obviously you know Mbappe just being Mbappe um but but right you just have to give him credit for sure for that decision I mean that's fucking ballsy man yeah absolutely it was incredible and and again it's Taking out a guy, as I said just a minute ago, taking out a guy who scored four goals, right? Dembele was easy enough. Dembele had not been playing well for a couple games. He was really struggling. Uh, obviously, when he they, they pulled him off in the semis, Kolomwani immediately scores. But to do it with Giroud, again, it just spoke to like a uh, 
but um, Mbappe being safe, of course. But I mean, again, if you look at the stubs that he made in the, in the second half, that kind of uh, spurred him to life. It was taking off Griezmann, right, and 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 Teo Hernandez, who were two guys who also were very efficient offensively. And so when you have these guys who are scoring goals or providing assists, and you go. Yeah, we're pulling you guys off and putting on Camavinga at left back, who, again, is not a, an attacking player by any means. And Coman, it's like it, everything he's, you know, a lot of it seemed to be I'm throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. But there there truly was that whole, in, you know, uh, you know, past performance does not reflect future potential. And, and you totally went with that. And, and it, again, it saved uh, kind of all of us from having a, a ho-hum uh, 2 nothing final. Uh, correct. Although it continued to be uh, a bit ho-hum, uh, even coming out of halftime, even with those changes, although, you know, the ship was righted, the bleeding was stopped. Um, but but right. I mean, it was still, uh, you know, France didn't really get much going uh, for, I would say, pretty, like the first half hour um, of, of the second half. And then uh, at that point, uh, the dam breaks. Uh, Mbappe gets his penalty kick. Uh, was it was it Otamendi who committed the foul? Yes, Otamendi on, I believe, Kolo Moani. Uh, very needless. I, well, first, I guess not a needless tackle because he was beat. But how he got himself beat is uh, is not defense uh, defending 101. Yeah, I, I mean, the concession of both of those penalties was not defending 101. Like, Dembele just did not need to foul uh, in that situation with, like, two French defenders right in front of him, uh, in front of the player, from behind. Uh, and and then, yeah, for this one, Otamendi, you would say, um, like, you want to say, oh, man, I expected better from him there, uh, or you should be smarter than that. But, like, he's not, and you don't expect better. Like, he's got one of these in him per game, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, again, the foul is not so much what worries me. It's, it was the positioning to get in that spot because it wasn't like you know he was beat on a through ball like that ball like he was in front of Koumoani on a bouncing ball and he just judged it absolutely so terribly and just got himself all twisted up and, and then commits the foul and I guess if, if you're uh on the side of you know historically saying Otamendi is an average defender at best here's your ammo yeah oh 100 uh and obviously Mbappe uh, slots and again uh, my quick little golden ball side out this is where you were really shitting your pants uh, but don't worry you got him in bop and uh, he took care of business for you and then 92 seconds later uh, pretty much done and dusting it for you in the golden balls but back to real life uh, yes uh, scoring a second one um, in the 81st minute to bring it to 2-2 and you probably just have to think like Argentina were um, a little bit shell-shocked like from the first one like you know hard Reckoning back to those other games that we just talked about, the Australia, the Netherlands, et cetera, like, oh, no, we can't do this again. Like, we're not going to do this again, right? Oh, wait, we're doing this again. And then, right, and then Mbappe pulls a worldie out of his ass uh, to make it 2-2. Yeah, and it's helped by, again, another defensive error. I believe this one was Molina, who just who dives in, uh, you know, kind of on one of the, on the first ball that he's never getting to. And you do have to wonder if part of that was a little bit of that immediate pressure. He gave up the goal. Now it's, you know, it's squeaky bum time. And you don't want to be the defender who's too slow to react and then you get beat. So now you have Molina, who just goes kind of crazy mode and just, like, chases a ball that he has no business chasing. And then, the, you know, the one is played now. That's why Mbappe's in space. Uh, absolutely lasers one. Uh, and, and again, you know, Mark, uh, you know, Emiliano gets a, gets a hand on it, but it's just it's hit with so much pace. And the, the level of difficulty on that is, is just out of this world. It's just an amazing strike. And, and uh, the first time, not not the last time, certainly, that got me to literally jump out of a sitting position and say, oh, my, like, you know, holy shit, like this is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we lost our minds on that one. Um, look, th- th- that's a, a, a strike that you don't even have the, the gall to try in, in training sessions like most players, right? This guy not only did it 
in a World Cup final, but hit it pure. I, I mean, you could fucking just sit there in your backyard and try this one a hundred times. You might hit it like that, like one out of a hundred times with a perfect toss, no pressure on you, just like chilling in the backyard. But again, for him to do it on that stage in that moment, I, I mean, I'm not a big Mbappe fan, but but I right, I jumped up out of my seat and I clapped him up because that's just it just class recognizes class. And it's unpracticable too. Like because the way it's coming kind of like half over his shoulder, kind of from that diagonal angle. There's no way to like, you know, you you can practice someone rolling a ball out to you and, and trying to pipe one from 30 yards, but it's pretty hard to practice. Hey, uh, can you play this ball right over my shoulder? Uh, yeah. So it lands perfectly at my foot so I can try and like volley it like a foot off. Like there's no way to even, so to, to just whip it out, uh, to try to even try it. I, I mean, I get why you're trying it because if, if you try and trap the ball and, and score, you're going to get caught up on. So you have, kind of have no choice. But again, to, as you said, to just to have that one shot and to just hit it absolutely flush uh, is just something that you, you can probably count on one hand the number of guys who can do that. Exactly. Um, and there you have it, too, too. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about squeaky bum time. Um, yeah, now Argentina are really shitting their pants. Um, and, and I made the comment live. I'm like, like at this point, if I'm Scaloni, like I'm just telling the guys, OK, yep, that sucks. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's just get to extra time. Just like stop the bleeding right there. Just just don't do anything. Pretty much just nothing stupid. Just even if you want to boot it into fucking row double Z, go for it. But let's just get on this sideline calm down and approach extra time uh because i mean they were they were rattled i mean you could even see a little bit in Messi's eyes like he, he was just kind of like oh fuck man but they didn't that's the thing that's the hilarious part right because right yeah both teams still going at each other and you have you know the the messy shot that will saves and that again that almost i mean god that would have been like literally get you know calling game and just running right off the field and then you almost actually have france the other way where acuna uh, very smartly picks up a yellow card to stop what would have been you know possibly like a two-on-one or a two-on-two break and so you know i don't think either team once it kind of got going it, neither team knew how to slow it down it was just sure. like the object in motion stayed in motion and so you know to your point I thought the same thing. Argentina at that point had only made one sub in the game. Uh, you you, you kind of ask yourself, well, where the hell, you know, where's Paredes? Where's, uh, you know, where's Mar- uh, Lotaro? Where's somebody to, to make this stop? And they, they didn't do that. And then again, uh, Francis, you know, kind of smelled blood uh, in the water and they kept attacking. Uh, That's of course the, uh, at the same time, also late in the game, Taram goes down in the box, and and by the way, an exquisite piece of officiating, uh, oh, love it. right? To call the to correctly call the simulation, and so I think that uh, just both again, both teams just didn't know what to do, and so just says that fuck it, we're just going to try and win this year and now. Yeah, I, I think um, the game became like a like a runaway train, like fucking breaks break line cut, uh, you know, right at, at at that point, and yeah, both teams just didn't know how to stop it it, it kind of was like um it, it was like a conmebol world cup qualifier this is something that like argentina does and is used to or whatever but france kind of you know went punch for punch they went toe-to-toe with them uh in that style and and again this is the part now where it is like the best final of all time where it was the most entertaining match uh that we've ever watched uh because both teams just like kept fucking going yeah, are we sure this actually wasn't the third place game and the other game wasn't the final? Right. Uh, because, right, in the other game we just talked about, right, two goals get scored early and then both teams go, oh, oh, oh shit, well, we got to calm this down. Where in this game everyone said, ah, fuck it, what's the worst? But, you know, what, what's really at stake here if we just keep going balls to the wall and give up one on the counter? 
Right, exactly. And, and right. So manic ending there. Um, and right, you would think that, you know, both coaches get their teams in. OK, let's not do anything drastic. Like, let's cautious approach to extra time. Absolutely not. Uh, it's still back and forth. Um, obviously, Messi scores in the 108th minute. Um, it just like fucking like where to even start with that one you know goal line technology you know the refs watch is turning green but was it offside was the ball out like all that stuff uh but yes uh, the ball does go across the uh, uh the goal line three to argentina and at this point you're like okay that's it like you're not even thinking in your head like can, can france come back with this you know one goal in extra time should be good enough um but they keep going and not just keep going so mbappe gets a penalty in the 118th minute but like they could have stolen it at the end actually yeah so i mean there's a lot here right so i, I first thing as an aside if i if i can just uh kind of uh you know kind of get you know go on, get on my soapbox for a minute for all sure. the people that like hate bar that are like oh man like the idea that it might be offside just ruins the the drama of the goal and not knowing i i felt like there was enough drama there even though we thought it was offside i think they were still celebrating and shit so uh maybe we yeah, can yeah. realize that even then uh people will celebrate the goals uh and to your point about france not getting back in the game I think it was really even more of just a, I think we couldn't conceive of France scoring again if for no other reason than narrative dictated they weren't. Uh, Messi gets the goal in extra time. It's perfect. It's the story. It's the movie. It's the, it's literally the last, you know, the second to last page of the chapter. And and that's it, right? And then, as you said, the penalty happens and you just go, oh my God. And, and to me, there's so many players in the world that that penalty happens in the 118th minute of a World Cup final. And you just, you can't imagine the guy's going to score, right? The nerves of the situation. And, and Bobby just, it's, there's no chill about it. And you just kind of knew that this game was, had more to give. And so like, it was never a doubt in my mind that he was actually going to score that penalty because of that. And then to your point, uh, Martinez again on Kobo Moani with the kick save, which is again, one of the biggest saves, of course, in soccer history. Then Wotaro goes down the other way and almost, I mean, just, it was, yeah. I said it, I, I, I like after, forget the penalty part, after extra time, I just, I needed a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both, man. Oh my God. Uh, but right. Uh, Martinez makes that save at the end, just instinctual kick save. And again, just like he did against Australia, literally a last second save. Um, and we go to penalties. Uh, Jared, what were you thinking when it went to penalties? Uh, were you sticking with your, your uh, original art? Or were you like, is this a toss-up? Or maybe France has got it now because Argentina's kind of blown it twice. No, I was I was mostly still on Argentina. And, and it was a couple of things. Is again, as, as I've said, and as I said, really, the big thing for me in penalties was that uh, Emmy Martinez is a great penalty goalie and uh, Hugo Lloris is not. And so I, I really did feel that at the end of it all, uh, that was going to happen. I think it was even further kind of, I think that saved by Martinez also. Uh, I, I don't know that he needs the confidence boost. I, he seems like a pretty confident cat. Um but I think that also that kick save there also kind of probably just gave him a little extra juice. Uh, both teams obviously going with the the gods to go first to make sure that they that neither one left behind. And yeah, they and, learned their lesson. Yeah, right. Not the Neymar. <laughs> and, and and I have to I do have to say this. And again, Messi I know had has, has taken a lot of penalties in this tournament. Right, uh, made most of them obviously against you know the one against Poland notwithstanding, and and change it up. Well, no one was going to score a penalty against Poland in that tournament. Uh, the the absolute stones he had to put that penalty to do the little stutter to see will reese kind of like jump to his left and to just slowly roll it to the point where you almost got back 
Yeah. Like, just the absolute, like, just boulders to actually take that penalty there. Like, it, I, I actually just started giggling like a child yeah. watching that penalty because I, I literally couldn't believe he, he pulled that off. And, and again, when that happened, I was like, there's no way Argentina can lose this. Like, there's no way he just took that penalty because I really do believe it's one of those things that does give confidence to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know he's doing that, like, for a reason. He knows exactly what he's doing the whole time. Because he could just step up and smash it, uh, like he did for, you know, one of them in, in a previous game. Like, and, and that's pretty much automatic. But for him, he's like, well, I can be automatic, but also with a little bit of flair here. And, like you said, inspire the rest of the team. And, w- and when you have, you know, the biggest shithouser of all time, Emmy Martinez in goal, it's like, yeah, at that point, it's done and dusted. And, and by the way, I, I, as I just complimented the ref, and I thought he called an excellent game, I think this was the one area where he he probably uh, did oh, not. Oh, he blew it big he, time. He did, he did blow it a little regulate. bit. Yeah, he, he did not regulate Martinez at all. He was, you know, he had the ball. He was throwing it around. He was, you know, shit talking. He was pointing at me. Oh, was the ball on the spot? And and the, and the, the ref was just very, uh, very kind of giving him an inch and and of course uh, god you don't even need to give martinez an inch to for him to take a mile but he absolutely did he eventually i think got booked in the, in the but far too late for it to matter uh got in the comod's head a little bit uh chuameni who i don't think he got in his head because i think chuameni was kind of laughing about the whole thing but again his his ability to save penalties got into his head and and chuameni just tried being a little bit too perfect uh, you know, like when obviously pulled it a bit wide because he was that worried. But again, even on that penalty, Martinez has the fucking angle covered. If that ball's on target, it's saved. And so, uh, you know, despite the fact that the, you know, Kaumoeni does does keep it alive, uh, Argentina makes no mistakes. And, and again, I think that uh, I was very safe in my prediction. I thought that Argentina would win a penalty shootout. And, and of course, that's exactly how it, it wore out. And, and of course, we just had uh, just the utter joy of Argentina. I think guys just almost uh, half of them not even cheering. It was more of like a collapsing kind of situation. And I think the, obviously the weight of, of the world on their shoulders. And it was just a really cool sight to see. Yeah, just just kind of relief. It was that combination of, of just exhaustion, physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, and and relief. Yeah, uh, once uh, Montiel makes makes that last one. I mean, I mean just, huh. It, 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 and, and can we kind of sum it up? Um, well, actually, well, there's a few things to sum up here, right? So, uh, obviously, you know, the celebrations after the game, uh, you know, Messi's won his World Cup and everything, and, and, and good on the Argentinians for everything that they've done. I, I do want to say a word about Leo Scaloni uh, a, a, as well. Um, but then how, how about that, uh, that ceremony at the end of the game? I think a few things to mention about that one, Jared. Uh, and how many of them start with uh, with Emiliano Martinez's super penis? Yeah. Uh, that is definitely my first one because uh, again, I have I, I love this guy. I have such a soft spot in my heart. I, yeah, I definitely think he was shit housing a little too much. But hey, how much is a little too much? If it gets the job done, you know, it's uh, uh, it's never over the line, I, I guess, in his eyes. Um, but yeah, just the, the, with the, the, what's his name, uh, in the background, looking down at it. I mean, that picture is just absolutely priceless. I'm sorry. Man. That, that, what are we, as much as I would like to say, Messi holding the, the world cup is like the, is the image. If there was like a one shining moment for the world cup, I think my last scene is him just like fucking using the, the golden glove as like a, a mega dildo. I think that's like literally the picture I will remember even more than Messi holding up the trophy. Dude, do the video in like slow-mo with, with slow-mo. Super Saiyan. Well, one shining more like you know, fucking perfect <laughs> i love it uh yes very inappropriate uh very poor form but but i love it um also 
uh, what else? I, I mean, poor Mbappe, the, the guy's got to like go up there with the golden boot. Like, yeah, that's an incredible achievement. Eight goals in this tournament for fuck's sake. Uh, and, and by the way, what is it, Jared? Like a couple off the all time and, and he's what, 23 years old? Yeah, he's like he's like sixth all time. I think he's like four or five behind Closa at, at 23, now 24 years old today. Uh, I think he's going to break that record unless he suffers a, uh, a, a catastrophic injury that we don't even want to think about. I mean, it's, I think it's quite clear. Yeah, uh, and and I think we're all in agreement. Like, there's just no reason to have the the losers go up there and trot them up one by one. Just kind of like let them go. I mean, it, it'd be off one to the side and do the winners. No, it'd be one thing if you could do it like five minutes after the game ended, but this stuff doesn't happen for half an hour. So these guys have to sit out there for for thirty minutes. Uh, you know, even I think about the Stanley Cup Finals where like they do the handshakes, but like that's like two minutes after the game ends, right? The winning team they jump on each other for about ninety seconds, they shake hands, and then they go get their Stanley Cup, and like the losers go back to the locker room and 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 you know deal with they'll you know, process their like their essentially process their grief and just have guys out there for thirty minutes, as you said, and Bobby gets. The, the golden booty can barely smile. Then they have the other one where he has to take the fucking picture with, you know, with, with Messi. With Enzo, young player, and, with Messi, with and he's like uh, sitting there in the corner. Like, yeah. it, 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 it's all, it's just, it's very awkward. It's shitty. It's just unnecessary. Uh, and I understand that with, with the with the distance of time, uh, a runners up medal in the in the World Cup is probably going to be cherished by most of these guys. But it's not cherished on Sunday, so uh, just just FedEx it to them and, and let them go back to France and 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 again process the process the loss. Yeah, uh, and then last thing uh, on a scale of zero to Gary Lineker, how pissed are you about them putting that that bisht, I believe it's called on Messi as he was about to lift. Uh, whatever uh, on the list of things I want to be mad at them about. I, I think that's one's like so far down the list. Uh, and don't forget, you know, again, Mbappe is an employee of the country of Qatar. So uh, <laughs> your boss tells you to wear it. I guess you kind of have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Annoying, I... annoying. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Salt Bay being down there was actually more offensive to me. Oh, dude, that was incredible, though. That messy just completely Weird. ignored this guy. <laughs> I mean, that part was, and he, like, pretended to salt the fucking World Cup draw. I was like, I can't. Like, I, this is, this, like, might be worse than, like, all the migrant deaths. Like, I can't actually deal with this right now. Dude, I legitimately had no idea who this guy was. And, and then, like, you know, I, I start, after whoever sends the video, uh, I'm, like, looking him up. And, and he's literally world famous because yeah. he spices meats. Like, he sprinkles salt on meat. Yeah, and charges, like, $900 an ounce for it, and everyone fucking loses their mind. I, uh, yeah, human humans get your shit together, man. Like th- that's all right, whatever. I'm not even going to go there. Uh, but, but yes. Okay. So the whole ceremony at the end of the game, uh, all that great stuff that, uh, and then all the fallout or not the fallout, but, but then the aftermath of, uh, the celebrations, the team gets back to Buenos Aires and, uh, they're on the bus. They almost get like fucking decapitated or electrocuted by, by the, the electrical wire. Did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah just uh, under, I, like this thing will have a body count. I feel like and, and, <laughs> yeah. and I think, and I think the people that die will be okay with it like, in a weird way. I think it's like almost like the best way to go out. Well, yeah, th- there are accounts of like, and, and both extremes when, you know, when you win or when you lose, like after the Maracanazo, like there are accounts of Brazilians hurling themselves from the rafters and committing suicide. And I'm not trying to like make light of someone killing themselves, but like the- these things can bring out truly like the most passionate, uh, like extreme feelings in you. And-, and yeah, I think some people in Argentina, they, they might party so fucking hard and-, <laughs> and be like, well, that's the culmination of my existence. That's as good as it's going to get. 
Yeah, the book, the book Soccernomics, if you haven't read that one, I would encourage anyone to actually write it. They actually do an entire chapter about just that. Oh, and do they? Like, okay. uh, yeah. They're like, uh, what's, what might not be surprising to people is that when teams suffer a, a, a catastrophic loss in the World Cup, there are increased like, uh, cases of suicide, as you just mentioned, you know, 1950 Brazil, the best case. But what they also found is that uh, when teams win the World Cup, it also happens. And so I think they were using um, Brazil in 94, I think was the example. It's been a couple of years since I read it, so I might be getting this specific one wrong. Mm. But they kind of... Uh, um, they kind of looked at suicide rates in Brazil between like June 1st or whatever the date, like July 1st and July 15th in like 1990, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, like 98 or whatever. And they were essentially like, uh, yeah, 94 was like the highest. And, and there are people that legitimately see their team win the World Cup and they're like, uh, yeah, my life is actually peaked. It no longer has meaning. And they like literally like almost like kill themselves in like a fit of joy and, and not a fit of anguish. And you can just imagine these guys in this crush of literally, I, I think they estimated maybe like 8 million people or 4 million, 4, 6, 8 million people, whatever it is. And like, there are probably going to be people and for one way or the other that end up like sustaining serious injury and or death. And again, not, as you said, not to make light of it, but there is something to be said for there are some people that are legitimately willing to be like, I will party myself to death right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, a lot just, of women getting naked and running around. And that's uh, great for all of us. Ah, uh, yes. And if you haven't seen the clip of the topless woman uh, at the final, you should there yeah, have a look at, at that one. But yes, euphoria, just straight up euphoria. And that is a very cool feeling. One uh, that, Jared, uh, I think you and I can only hope to feel in uh, three and a half years time. Uh, yeah, when the U.S. wins in 2026, we'll be doing the same thing and uh, down Broadway, which will be great because I'm still working at the same company. I can just walk out of work one day and be there in like 30 seconds. It'll be great. There you go. Boom. Done. Uh, would you say we've done enough on the 2022 World Cup final, Jared? Uh, I don't I just we talked about a couple of the videos. I actually did want to point out one more because it was actually like the heartwarming one that I saw. Sure, sure. Go it was it. a video of uh, it was like a homeless guy in Buenos Aires. I think this literally was on Sunday, uh, you know, when when the when the match happened. And, uh, you know, he's literally on the street, just like like kind of having a like almost like a, a happy breakdown mm. and a fan. Uh, takes off his shirt and gives the homeless guy his his Argentina jersey. And the guy's like, really? And it's like the whole thing. And he hugs the guy and he's putting the jersey on. And he's legitimately like, he's, he's like, he falls to the ground in tears, like just so happy. And a group of people just see, again, this homeless guy, like he's as dirty as dirty can be. And they all just like run to him and like pick him up and celebrate with him. And it was just one of those things where it's like, in a, in, a, in a situation in that country right now, which obviously has a lot of economic issues and there's a lot of problems. And I mean, I, I'm not going to say this, this heals all the wounds, but it really is one of those things where like everybody in the country, no matter what, you know, rich, poor, man, woman, uh, whatever the situation is, you, when you truly say like, I will celebrate with anybody who, who shares my nationality, seeing a bunch of people go to a homeless guy, just pick them up and celebrate with them. Well, just like a really cool fucking thing to watch. Dude, a hundred percent. And yeah, like speaking of, of 2026, like if we actually do win it somehow, like no one is safe. I will be literally like hugging kissing jumping for joy with like literally everyone although we're, we're not going to have those scenes like from that drone video of, of, of literally a fucking mob in the street dancing and celebrating i, I think most, a lot of people will still just kind of be like carrying on and be like who the fuck is this psycho celebrating with an american flag yeah no i i not quite the same uh but uh we can we can only we can only hope to have that much joy in our lives even for one day yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and leave it there.
Uh, Jared, I know you're desperate to get to this Carabao Cup uh, fourth round tie. Uh, do you have a minute just to say a word about uh, some starting 11s and maybe uh, wrap it up with uh, own goal of the day and some stoppage time winners? I think that's I think we can make a I think I can give up the 10 minutes of Carabao Cup for the World Cup. I think I can manage to do that. OK, very good. Very good. Um, well, yeah, let's let's do uh, let's do the starting 11s. And I think we got to throw in the managers there. And, and I did uh, say that I want to give a shout to, to Lionel Scaloni. Um, here's a guy who who was brought in um, to the Argentina national team uh, to the chagrin of pretty much everyone. I mean, he was pilloried uh, for being not the right guy, too young, inexperienced, et cetera, et cetera. I think he shut everyone up. Um, and, and I definitely want to give a shout to Regrari, uh, like obviously fantastic manager, what he did with Morocco and everything. Um, but uh, Scaloni, 44 years old, uh, at, lifts the Copa America uh, and the World Cup um, in, in less than two years back to back. I think he's my manager of the tournament. It, it's cleared for me. And, and, and for me, the biggest reason, and of course, it's easy enough to say, oh, well, he won. But I think that if you look at even just the two finalists for a second, uh, by and large, France, again, except for that game against Tunisia, uh, where they, they kind of rotate everyone. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Deschamps said, all right, here's pretty much my 11 guys. And except for injury and or sickness, these are my 11 guys. I'm going to play them and they're, I'm going to win or lose with these guys. And what Scaloni did throughout the tournament is on a regular basis made changes to the lineup. And yeah. obviously after the first game, he was to the Saudis and everyone goes, oh, Argentina, ha ha. And he, and he makes changes there. You know, Enzo comes on and gets a goal. He puts him in the game. He, you know, he, he goes to the back five in a game or two when it calls for it he he starts Lissandro a couple times and he goes back he just he constantly made changes and even in the final then he goes all right time for Di Maria to come back and he literally just put his nuts on the table over and over again and made moves that if they don't work out he gets killed for right we talked about making the sub and getting killed if it doesn't work out you know if, if Di Maria looks ineffective for 50 minutes and gets subbed out and they lose he gets killed for that move but he has the confidence to make it if they go five in the back against the Dutch and lose he gets killed for that decision he makes it uh anyway and so I think that the fact that he goes hey Paredes is a mainstay no we're going Enzo oh McAllister wasn't started now we're going him oh Otaro Martinez pretty much except for Messi almost single-handedly won his Copa America we're benching him for Alvarez who gets four goals and I think that to make that many big decisions and to kind of have them all work out um, is, is, I mean, it's, it's just, it's very difficult to, to keep pulling those strings, keep the buy-in of the players, right. Who, Oh, you're starting now. You're going to be benched, but you need to come in as a sub. And I think everything he did just kind of worked itself out. His in-game adjustments didn't always work out, but just, I mean, it's, it's hard to do what he did and, and win that many games in a row. Yeah. I believe they would say cojones and we would say onions. Onions, major onions, double, <laughs> double order. I love it. All right, um, for your keeper, who you got? Uh, you got Emmy, you got Lavakovic or Bono. Uh, I will say it is Lavakovic for me, but I really do actually want to throw. Uh, a bit of a, a tip of the cap to Sheshny uh, and okay. what he did with Poland. Uh, they might have been the most dour, dire like team in the entire tournament. And the fact that he even got them into the round of 16 and kept them in with a chance. I know like ultimately they ended up getting blown out by France, but not through any uh, you know fault of his. Guy made 24 saves in like six matches. Oh. Or, or four matches, I should say. Six saves a game. Stopped two penalties. Uh, I mean, it was just utterly fantastic in, in that tournament. And again, Lovakovic has to get it just obviously based on, you know, the run uh, to be third place and what he did against Brazil. But, uh, you know, for for a goalie who only played four games to even be in the picture, I think it's a testament to how just utterly ridiculous uh, Cheshire was, especially in front of such a bad team. 
Yeah, love it, man. Uh, and, and by the way, for the traveling supporters, if you haven't picked it up, uh, Jared and I are going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants here and, and do a joint uh, starting 11, um, just kind of on the fly. All right. Uh, so, yeah, for let, let's go with defenders. Uh, center backs, I think it's Guardiola plus one, eh? Uh, definitely for me, it's Guardiola. And I would add, I think, God, like it's kind of Odomendi, though it shouldn't <laughs> be, but it kind of is. And I, and I don't know if that's kind of me saying – uh, just kind of almost like uh, I, maybe by there's no other option. Maybe Saiz, except he kept kind of getting hurt and, and like didn't play as much as he possibly could have. But in, in, in a bizarre way, there wasn't like a ton of great center back play in this tournament, which is why random people on like keep putting in like John Stones and Harry Maguire because they're English. God damn it. You, I was going to say <laughs> you, you didn't go down the Harry Maguire route I because not. there are actually uh like respected journalists who have selected Harry Maguire for their uh, team of the tournament. Like it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you're English. But it, I, I, I guess I'm going to shade Odomendi for winning it over Saiz, but I think if anyone puts Saiz in, I, I have no problem with that either. I'm okay with that too. All right. Um, your fullbacks. Uh, I think Hakimi is nailed on uh, as the right back. Um, who you got at the left back, Jared? Teo? Oh God! Can you put a left back in? Was so objectively horrible at defending. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Well, well, just give the context, right? I mean, like, like you even said, uh, you know, to literally watch your brother like tear his ACL, and then just the psychology of having to go in, like just based on that. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, fine, you sold me on it. He had a goal and two assists, and that was okay, great. But he literally can't defend, and that like hurts me a little bit. But yeah, sure. There's. I, honestly, if I was if I had to create a team, like if that actually had to play soccer, uh, I would literally just play Hakimi as a left back and then start Dumfries at the right back and, and be happy with that. But I'm not letting Daly Blinn be the left back, so I guess it has to be Teo by default. Okay. All right. There you have it. Uh, and also Blinn scored against us, so I'm, I would have vetoed that. Um, all right, let's go to our midfield. What do we want to do, like, uh, like a 4-3-3 three, three type of thing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of go there, and, and I'm going to call – I think for my purposes, I'm going to call Griezmann a midfielder because that's what he did in this tournament. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm behind him. I'm going to say, oh, this is tough. I'm going to say DePaul and McAllister because if I'm creating a team, I actually want like defensive steel. And I think what those two guys did in this tournament was absolutely ridiculous and, again, allowed Argentina to do everything they wanted to. Enzo is in with a shout, too, except he didn't start like all the matches. So I'm going to say McAllister and DePaul behind Griezmann just because, again, I want there to be uh, some balance and I don't want it to be a complete fantasy team. Wow. Uh, and you're going to leave out the hashtag popular pick of uh, Sofian Amrabat. Yeah, like you could put like five Morocco guys in, or and I won't argue at all. But again, I think that uh, what the the other thing about these two guys is not only did were they absolutely standouts defensively, they were they got involved offensively as well. McAllister had a goal and assist. DePaul actually like camped out on the outside of the box and was consistently dangerous, drawing players away. And, and again, there's there's ten guys. Uh, yeah. Put in. You could obviously put in Amrabat. You could put in Chouameni, uh, even though they didn't get as far. Bellingham, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. Bruno Fernandes was was fantastic. And so, to me, it's really just a function of there just not being, uh, you know, enough spots to put in every guy who was great. And and I just, again, I think Argentina's midfield was superb in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the midfield is tough, man. Uh, and, and you can't pass up a chance uh, to put a Brighton and Hove Albion player in a, in a best 11 at a World Cup. Scott, and again, a guy who was not a starter in the beginning of the tournament got the call and, and just again balled out so yeah i guess i'm being unfair to amrabat and maybe to morocco as a whole but uh argentina just stole my heart 
Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and they will continue stealing your heart, I'm sure, for your forwards. I mean, obviously, uh, Messi, do you chuck Alvarez in there or do you make room for someone else? I'm going uh, Josh Sargent, Haji Wright. <laughs> I mean, come on, the goal that Haji Wright scored, that, that's goal of the tournament right there because he uh, meant to do that. He meant to. Uh, obviously, it's Mbappe and Messi. Um, wow. Um, I know, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Alvarez because Drew had two really bad games at the end. Uh, and that's not fair to him per se. Uh, but I also do want to say that if uh, I almost went with like kind of like the uh, the almost like the, the the trendy kind of hipster pick, I really kind of wanted to put Parasitch in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, for like the 50th consecutive tournament, he just absolutely balled out. Uh, is, is so fucking important for Croatia. Um, and and he was close, but I I think I'm going to go Alvarez again just because uh, Giroud did just not do anything in the semis in the final. Yeah, fair play. Uh, and just looking at a couple other uh, journos and and their picks, uh, Ziyech. Um, you have one guy has Mohamed Kadus in his starting eleven. Yeah, that totally makes sense as a guy who played three games and had like <laughs> one good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I should also say we didn't mention him in the midfielders. I, it would be remiss if we didn't name Luka Modric somewhere in this whole thing. He's he's also good. I think he's just so good that we just forget how good he is. Yeah, uh, yeah, in that sense, but. Um, and obviously Marcus Rashford because he's English. Ah, yeah, there you have it. Um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm good with those. It, it's just too hard, man. I mean, th- there are some spots, especially the midfield, where you're just going to – you have to leave guys out. Uh, you know, like Jude Bellingham. I mean, he's English. He should be in there too, obviously. Oh, of course. No, and, and probably – I think Jordan Henderson scored a goal, so I'm pretty sure he should be in there as well. <laughs> love it. Love it, man. All right. Um, yeah, I think that'll do it, man. That'll do it for our starting 11s. There you have it. Take it or – Leave it. Um, but yeah, Jared, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Uh, our own goal of the day. Um, I got a stoppage time winner, but I don't have an own goal. So I'll let you take it from here, Jared. Go on. I'll, I'll just grab two since I'll just do it. Yes, sir. Uh, well, um, we have a couple. One is that uh, in Australia, there was some sort of pitch invasion with a flare and uh, there's a goalie involved and the goalie threw the flare back. And then there was a pitch invasion. Somebody hit some uh, goalie with a bucket and he got uh, injured and uh, two lifetime bands have been uh, handed out to Melbourne Victory fans in their uh, derby against Melbourne City. Uh, again, the video of this is, again, one of the more frightening pitch invasions. And we've seen, by the way, enough of them to last a lifetime in the last year or two. Yeah. Uh, again, a goalie suffers a concussion and a facial laceration. The referee injured. A cameraman was hurt. Security guards were hurt. I mean, just uh, utterly insane. Again, lifetime bans. And just another example where we can't have nice things because uh, 19-year-old kids don't know how to behave themselves in public. Uh, that is certainly one of them. Uh, and I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but yeah. No, I mean, I did see the news. I didn't see the video on it, uh, but but it's just one of those. Yeah, where, where it's like frightening. And, you know, a pitch invasion can actually be uh, you know, like a joyous occasion when it's like celebrating a win or, or something like that. But but yeah, like you said, we've seen the pitch invasions for the bad reasons, literally just picking fights, uh, attacking players um, and with nefarious, uh, you know, ulterior motives uh, behind. It's it's just it's really scary stuff, man. It's got it's it, this is I know we can say it's got to stop. You know, you, you probably can't ever stop it uh, per se unless you put the fucking fences back up. But we learned our lesson from that. Um, so all you can do is just punish these guys. And, and this is a good step towards that. 
big moats is the answer. Just big, big moats. Yeah. <laughs> or like what they did at fucking Khalifa Stadium, the, the, the future Olympic Stadium with the goddamn track around. Like I, I was fourth row for U.S. Netherlands. I still felt like I was 300 yards away from the fucking field. It was just it was bad. A moat with a with no bottom that just goes to the center of the earth, I say. Yeah. OK. Uh, then- and on a less serious note, uh, Ivan Tony got charged with 30 more betting breaches. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> He's just he's up to like. I didn't, see, I did not hear that. That is hilarious. <laughs> I think he's up to 260 now. And again, just for context, remember when uh, Trippier got banned like 10 weeks for betting or whatever? That yeah. was like in charges. This is uh, 260. So uh, not a, not a, not a good end of break for Ivan Tony. Didn't start the World Cup well and didn't end the World Cup well for him. Oh my god! Are are these like new charges? Like, did he do this after he was charged with the original stuff? No, no. This is just they found more. They, they oh, okay. Digging. They just. Found I was it. gonna say if you got like two hundred and sixty charges dropped on you, and then you kept betting, like, dude, I don't feel bad for you at all. No, no. I think I think like they they maybe like the first two hundred were like the bet eighty eight account, and then they saw like the Unibet account or whatever. It's like, oh shit, he had a second account. Like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, um, Ivan Tony, what are you doing, man? It's a, it's a problem. It is a problem. <laughs> all right. That's enough own goals of the day for both of us. Um, yeah, let, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this bad boy up. We are officially in stoppage time, so it is time for our stoppage time winners. Uh, I'll go first here, Jared. Um, mine is, and sorry, this is a little bit late uh, for some news here, uh, but have to chuck this in, um, have to uh, throw some shade on Indiana, of course. Um, but yeah, in the College Cup, the men's College Cup uh, final last week, uh, Syracuse uh, beat Indiana on penalties uh so yeah i mean finals just going to penalties man uh that's what we get these days uh but yeah as 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 rivals in in some sense uh against indiana um uh, i'm just very glad to watch them fail uh even though they did uh, get all the way to the final which is bullshit by the way because the, the committee wanted them in the final they, they gave them a seed when they didn't deserve it they gave them the easiest road uh and couldn't take advantage uh, and then the whole thing so uh good on you syracuse uh, for beating indiana in the final uh, yeah, I have. Uh, should should mine actually be that MLS released their regular season schedule today? Because you know we love MLS. Or oh, absolutely. Uh, no. Go on, Jerry. No, 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 no. Come on. This uh, is like I, I feel like in, like with baseball. Like I feel like the season just ended, and like pitchers and catchers are reporting tomorrow. Also, they certainly know the timing. People are still talking about the World Cup final, but tell me more about Nashville hosting NYCFC on like April, yeah, right? Uh, or March, to say whatever it is. Uh, no, my uh, my summer time winner is uh, is uh, you alluded to this earlier, but it's it's for you, sir. Uh, I want to applaud you on your second place finish in the in the Golden Balls World Cup. Uh-huh. Uh, you put forth a hell of an effort, and uh, look, I, I know you came up a bit short. I don't, I don't know who won, but I know you came in second. So I just uh-huh. want. To- yeah. Uh, give you your flowers and, and make sure that everyone who listens know that you came in a very, very strong second place. Of all the losers, you were the best loser, uh, and and you should take some pride in that. <laughs> uh, that I would call that a, a a humble brag sandwich right there. You start off with the compliment. Yes, Jared, you won. Congratulations to you, uh, and then oh. I appreciate that compliment towards the end as well. Uh, oh, no, that, that worked out for me then. Oh, I better I better read more about this then. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that that was wild. Although I will say and, and since the traveling supporters are just, you know, uh, so on the edge of their seats and, and so invested in our Golden Balls fantasy soccer competition, uh, let it be known that we got we went into the final and Jared was like, what was it, 45 points ahead. Uh, and it got to the point where if Mbappe misses that penalty and like Messi gets that goal, which he did, uh, I, I'm, I'm sitting pretty. 
yeah, you know, you did make a, a very good run of it. I was a little bit nervous for a few seconds. Uh, obviously, as you said, uh, Mbappe scoring uh, obviously helped out the real World Cup and, and kind of gave me a little bit of peace of mind as well. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I would, you know, again, I encourage all of you out there uh, to find a way to do fantasy soccer with your friends. This is the greatest thing of all time. Yes, it has kept us together over all these years. I, I don't know what else uh, would have. Um, but but yeah, look, I, I also want to just uh, give a quick hat tip uh, to Jeff, um, you know, because I took his advice. Uh, I drafted players that do things for their teams uh, this time. And yeah, look, it, it kind of worked out. So and, and he did not actually famously decided against that this time. Uh, yes, for the traveling supporters, uh, Jeff skipped over Mbappe with the third pick. Uh, we, we went uh, Neymar. Uh, I took Messi, obviously, uh, and Jeff, ignoring uh, all the metrics, all the <laughs> like drafting 101, uh, went with Brazil goalies uh, with the third pick. Uh, and, and, and Jared, it, it, you still weren't clear there because you were the fifth pick. Uh, and so you just had to avoid one more landmine. Oh, wait, who was next? Uh, of course, the elder statesman. And we all knew uh, who he was going to go with. Uh, and he did. Harry Kane, fourth pick <laughs> with Mbappe. My ears just utterly joyous. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, you predicted was going to happen. You're like, I'm pretty sure Gord's going to pick. Yeah. No, that, that, very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, congrats to, to you, to both of us. Uh, yeah, that, that was a good one, man. I, I think uh, that was one of the most enjoyable ones yet. Absolutely. Uh, and I guess, that, yeah, you're right. It was a humble brag. You caught me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but you deserve it, man. Obviously, uh, uh, keeping us all together with that and, and running everything behind the show. But you've gotten enough plaudits for that. Um, and, and oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Malian uh, referee has uh, pointed to the spot and blown uh, for full time. So sorry, Jay, we're going to have to cut it off right there. Uh, to you, sir, I appreciate the time, insight, and of course, the banter. Uh, and to the traveling supporters, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next time. Bye-bye. He's our striker, he's on fire Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic Scoring goals home and away He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire Grand talk was a catastrophe He just wouldn't go away Oh, and then Will Grigg turned it round Cost us one million pound Oh, I said Will Grigg turned it round Cost us one million pounds Will Grigg is on fire Come on now Will Grigg is on fire